Wildfire Podcast is an extension of Wildfire, which has a focus of igniting men and women of God into a deeper discipleship with Christ, instilling people with a passion to radically and relentlessly pursue Christ wherever that leads, that God's truth will spread like a wildfire. Hey guys, welcome back to another <laughs> podcast. This is our, I don't even know how to count how many it's attempts. Don't be so dramatic, it's the how third. How many attempts third. we've had. It, it's been three attempts, but it, it feels... What, like an eternity. <laughs> it feels like an eternity. Um, Jemima's just been climatizing to how to speak into the mic. So we apologize if there's any fluctuation. Um, Jemima likes to go back right back into her seat and you can't hear her she likes to then uh compensate by swallowing the mic <laughs> so um yeah but i'm guilty, of it. I'm guilty of it as well i'm I guilty of it as well i've been you were too loud you were too i was loud. too loud I was too quiet. and you were way too quiet and together it made oh, it was just awful it brought problems but nonetheless we're here we're podcasting what are we talking about in this podcast we are talking about second john and we know it's so well now because we've had to do this so many times so yes. second john yep. question if i said to you can you give me a brief summary prior to the podcast of second john could you have done it no i don't think there's any person i'd put a bet on this who could do it yeah that nobody if i asked about second john if you could give me a brief description or a general outline of what second john talks about i don't think Someone any could, or many could maybe one out of seven billion which shows you it's a very underrated it underrated is it is underrated and i assure you after this you'll all love it you'll love it not because of us but simply because we're going to talk about god's word yeah you know what i mean yeah. and and we we love it we love it now we love it in fact i said in the ten thousandth time that we tried to record this that this was one of my included one of my some of my favorite verses in the whole of the new testament yeah big statement big statement so we'll start off by providing some context that <laughs> in the early church tradition from the second century onwards uh, they all testified in unison that this letter and its companion third john were written by the apostle not a mysterious unknown elder at this junction i think it's important that uh, we maybe address a question that people are interested in or have maybe never thought of before or have thought about and don't really have an answer that question is <laughs> how how did we come to have the books or better letters that appear in the new testament why take these and not others like the catholic tradition aka the hypographa gospels which seven <laughs> of i don't know what these are i didn't before you butchered it though it's called I know. say it with me hypographa oh the hypographa Hi- gospels hypographa gospels hypographa gospels exactly and you don't know all seven do you you don't know all seven you knew one no yeah thomas yeah thomas. About the, I can't remember. yeah so ones. the apocryphal gospels are those that appear within the catholic tradition and other traditions uh, but do not appear in the mainstream the mainstream christian tradition in in the bible that yep. we use um today and an analogy to help us understand like what we're going to be briefly talking about here because we're going to use second john as a little springboard to answer this bigger question is uh, an analogy which i think is quite good is that christians are our big family are all in a big line uh, sitting at this conveyor belt working away uh, doing the things that we need to do and uh, things come down that conveyor belt 
and uh, we then utilize them and use them to strengthen and bolster our faith. But we never actually understand the origin or the source of where those things come from. And I think as Christians, especially now in our generation, I think it's important that we know the origins uh, of any belief that we hold uh, for any what that we have. It's important that we have a why that substantiates or backs up what we believe. It's important that as representatives of Christ, whereby people look at us, uh, uh, that they don't conclude that we're naive or inheritors of the belief system of the generations that came before us, that is our parents, grandparents, uh, or they conclude that we lack knowledge, wisdom, and simply don't have a defense for the paradigms, perspective, or lens that we hold. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just going to read. First Peter 3 verse 15 and um, says but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give a defense to every man who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So the Greek word there for defense is apologia, which is actually where we get our apologetics from. Did you know that, Jemima, prior to No, I didn't. Podcast? I didn't know it. It's pretty cool, actually. I, yeah, I, I rather cool. like it. It's always cool, like learning Greek. Yeah. knowing Greek that's cool um, but we're all called to defend our faith uh, so it is important that in our journey in our race we're asking ourselves the important questions and we're equipping ourselves with the important truths yeah um, with all that being said why accept the books that appear in the mainstream translations that we use um, so we will do several podcasts on these but in brief <laughs> in brief um, scholars, biblical scholars, atheist scholars, scholars of various different backgrounds have engaged in what is called biblical scholarship, where they deal with the material and content that relates to the Bible, that is the ancient literature um, that we now know as the Bible. Uh, they analyze the origins, history and reliability of the Bible uh, that we have come to know and hold in our hands. Uh, number two is that uh, the traceability. Uh, we can trace the origin of the original letters uh, through the manuscriptal history or recordings of these writings right up until today. Uh, three, there is two views, uh, an imposed view or an accepted view. Uh, through the accepted view is that whenever the writings were written, such as Second John, that was widely accepted, uh, that this was divine. Uh, and then continued on from there through the manuscriptal history uh, with that status. Uh, or there is uh, what is called the imposed view, is that at the Council of Nicaea, uh, a selection of group of men decided what would appear in the canon of scripture and what would uh, not. Uh, but we we see through the history and uh, uh, the majority of Christians do and should subscribe that uh, there is the accepted view, that these letters were written and then were widely accepted from the churches. Uh, that these were divine uh, and they maintained that status right throughout until today. Um, but I think a framework used to prove uh, whether these are divine writings or not. So at that time, how do you decide what is divine writings and what was not? What was the framework that they used? Um, number one is internal features. So inconsistent theology that appears in these letters, such as the book of Thomas, it can comprised of really inconsistent theology with regards to how it, uh, it views femininity and, and woman. And so we can see that, you know what I mean? There's a consistency right throughout Old Testament and, and New Testament. So uh, you can analyze texts and to see whether they fit the mold of what has been uh, being taught or whether they're radically different. Uh, number two is that they were not preserved. Um, what God wanted to preserve has been preserved through the manuscriptal history and anything that God didn't want 
hasn't been preserved. It's as simple as that. So if people say, oh, what about this, this letter, or this book? Why does it not appear in, in the canon of scripture? It's simply because we don't have the manuscripts for it. We don't have the copies. We don't have the content or material to include it. And we as Christians believe that's because God's divine sovereignty in his hand hasn't preserved such texts as it has with the other ones. Number three is apostolic authority. So there's connection uh, through Jesus, then disciples. Um, so there's apostolic connection to the writings. Um, so writings that appear centuries later and don't have apostolic connection, they don't have that credibility or authenticity with regards to divinity. Number four is that they're widely accepted from their earliest date. So some of these, these letters were written within the first century uh, of the life of, of Jesus, decades after the life of Jesus, around 60, 200 AD, perhaps even before, uh, they were accepted from followers of Jesus. And number five is the dating. Gospels were written uh, decades, centuries before Hippographa Gospels. And so the Hippographa ones that appear later, uh, they again just don't have the credibility. So there's just a framework that is used um, to decide and conclude the reliability of letters such as Second John and every other book that we read in our mainstream translations. So again, that's just one aspect of apologetics. But we've used Second John as a springboard uh, to address that question uh, that can be applied to all the books that we've talked about and will talk about and letters that we've talked about and will talk about. And then we'll go into further detail in future podcasts. But what are the central themes of Second John? Um, Central themes. <laughs> so Second John, like... Third John has a focus on protecting fellowship against false teachers. Again, tying in with what we said earlier, it's important that you know what you believe and why you believe it so you can identify heresy or false teaching. Um, John would combat the heresies of his time. <laughs> dos, dos, dosetism? Montanism? <laughs> my, my, I can't. You say that one. I can't do that one. Marcionism. Uh, you can't even Marcionism. Do I can do the last one. Mar Marcionism. Gnosticism. 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 Yeah. Those are the four main um, heretical teachings that John was, yeah. was combating. Amongst others, Paul also combats specifically Gnosticism. So Docetism is, you know this. That they, didn't. Uh, they didn't believe Jesus was a real person, a real body, had a real body. Yes. They, they basically attacked the hypostatic union, divinity and humanity of of jesus montanism practices strict asc ascetism uh, so it's it was really heretical in, in its practice marcionism d rejects the old testament and majority of the new testament it just takes fragments of what it wants to uh, that is marcion the founder of, of what he wanted to teach uh, and gnosticism is this idea of gnosis and knowledge uh, spirituality um which is very common amongst our uh, society mm. today you get different aspects of course it's not called gnosticism but people are submerging themselves in that spirituality stuff um okay cool so they're the central things so the content uh we've highlighted a few key verses um verse one jemima would you mind reading that yep um yeah verse one says this letter is from john the elder i'm writing to the chosen lady and to her children whom i love in the truth as does everyone else who knows the truth so the important thing about second john is it's very easy to split up and the two central themes are truth and love it is repeated over and over again a uh, truth and love and the relationship that exists between them and uh, this is repeated throughout the epistles throughout the old testament new testament specifically the epistles and second john is a really good source that emphasizes uh, this topic we see also that the the lady she's obviously well known because mm -hmm. we don't we don't you know what i mean 
Yeah, the elder lady. Oh, we all know who that is. Well, we don't. Who she is. <laughs> but they must they must have. Yeah. Um, so she's not specifically addressed. Um, but verse three. Yes, do you want me to read it? I'll I'd read love, it. I'd love I'll you it. to read it. Um, verse three says, Grace, mercy, and peace which come from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, will continue to be with us who live in truth and love. So for me, what stands out there is the Godhead. So we're saying, mm-hmm. I think, you know, a part of John's gospel was to show the divinity of Christ, that he truly was the son of God. Yeah. And I think that this appears here in this verse. He's showing uh, the the diversity and the unity between the father and and the son. Um, verse five. Verse five. Um, I'm writing to remind you, dear friends, <clears throat> that we should love one another. This is not a new commandment, but one we have had from the beginning. Hmm. Hmm yeah yeah <laughs> to talk us through your initial thoughts on that um i'm pretty sure there's like laughing gas in this room yeah every I time i like, pitch something to I'm you so, you laugh what is I'm it so tired i just what is it i love second john <laughs> <laughs> anyway verse five is that what we read yeah verse five yeah that's um, what you literally, that's just what I read. literally just read yep this is not so it's not a new commandment so like from the start of the bible that's what we've been told to love one another, love God, because God loves yeah. us. Um, John's right, and he's like, guys, this is the commandment, and this is the commandment that we've been given from the beginning, okay? It's not, yeah. don't act as if this is a new Yeah, he's reminding, he's writing to remind them. That you yeah. love one another, okay? And then he goes on to tell us how we love uh, in the next verse. Next verse says, love means doing what God has commanded us, and he has commanded us to love one another, just as you heard from the beginning. So, Love is illustrated through obedience. Yep. The obedience of God's God's words, God's laws, his statutes, his his precepts. And I think that that is something that is totally um, dichotomized in our society. It's totally like separated that love and law, love and obedience. We don't, we don't usually put those two yeah. together. Rather, it's the opposite. Like mm. laws, legalism, ritualism, that's what it's always comprised of. Yeah. People who's, who uphold a law and uphold a person to a standard. They're, they're described as people of hatred. Um, but we see here that that's the opposite that the commandment the way to love one another is to uphold truth and to be obedient to god's word do you have any more thoughts on that no i agree yeah you don't because i never really knew that from first or second john before about like love equals obedience obedience equals love so Mm. yeah it's challenging it's great good good to know love that um so verse nine Nine. What's verse nine saying? Um, it says, anyone who wanders away from this teaching has no relationship with God, but anyone who remains in the teaching of Christ has a relationship with both the Father and the Son. Read the first part. Anyone who wanders away from this teaching has no relationship with God. Yeah. In Whoa. the ESV, I think it says, whoever doesn't abide, which oh, yeah. I love. Yeah. Whoever doesn't abide. Um, what does it say again? It, it says anyone God's who... Word, wanders away from this teaching yes yeah so anyone doesn't abide or wander away from god's teaching then what does it say next what's the consequence anyone oh has no relationship with god so there you go that's there he's not messing around john (laughs) is straight and and it acts as a catalyst because whenever we think about jesus says abide in me Mm. so we have to abide in jesus but who is jesus he says i'm the way the truth so Mm. jesus is the truth 
So abiding in Jesus, abiding in truth. Yeah. Jesus is truth. And then here we're told to constantly speak truth and love. And I think often or not, we want to uphold love, but we need to uphold truth. Truth is a person and you can't sacrifice one without the other. Yeah. Uh, I heard it said that like in a street, uh, people are going to kill love for the sake. No, I've lost it. And it's so good as well. In a street. It'll come, <laughs> it'll, come, it'll come to me. It'll come to me. But in Ephesians 4, it says, speak truth in love. They come hand in hand. They're yeah. synonymous. They're a married couple. You can't have one without the other. Yeah. So to speak truth, not in love, you're not speaking truth. Just, uh, to love, but not speaking truth, you're not loving. Yeah. Love and truth are one of the same. Truth, who is truth? Truth and you can't is abide. Jesus. You can't abide in yeah. Christ if you're not yeah. living in truth and love. Boom. And other way around as well. So, so we need to abide in Christ. We yeah. need to abide in truth. We need to speak truth in love. Truth is a person, that person being Jesus, and we need to abide in him. And if we don't, if we don't abide in truth, truth being Jesus, then... No relationship with God. Oh. We have no relationship with God. Crazy. Verse 10, verse 10 and 11, read the two verses. Okay. If anyone comes to your meeting and does not teach the truth about Christ, don't invite that person into your home or give any kind of encouragement. Anyone who encourages such people becomes a partner in their evil work. Mm. Thoughts? Thoughts. So like they're talking about like the false teachers and um, yeah, they're not to be invited into like their home or like a lot of in the early churches had their churches in their homes so it's like church as well mm. technically um so yeah it's it seems harsh like not inviting them yeah. to church at all or like to hear the actual truth yeah. but it's because they're going to be detrimental and they're such dangerous people so john's just warning them warning the church against them um and like showing any kind of hospitality would kind of like urge them on in their kind of mission so and that's they, that's not what should be happening so so on a practical pastoral level elders and deacons they must be able to identify heresies yeah. and the heretics that then spout that and they should make sure that their members their flock that they shepherd them and that they make sure that they disassociate themselves with said teachers um does that then mean that we never preach the gospel to them no because the bible's all about transformational inclusion yep. so that these heretics they are wrong and they're identified as heretics such as you know the gnostics marcian these guys of that time and we can identify some of those false teachers today mm-hmm. we can identify them say them call them out and make sure that our flock stays away from them and that we don't have fellowship the same way we do with other believers but in equal measure we pray for those people in the hope that god would transform and restore their hearts and that they might come under a consistent theology that is yep. consistent truth and by abiding in consistent truth and the consistent love they are true followers of jesus so verse 12 finish us off there verse 12 and 13 might as well 13 is quite short it's like four words (laughs) um i have much more to say to you but i don't want to do it with paper and ink for i hope to visit you soon and talk with you face to face then our joy will be complete greetings from the sister no the children of your sister chosen by god yeah So I love the way that ends because to me it like it sparks a thought that God uses sinful sinful humans. He then transforms and restores uh, through the gospel, through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And then he then he then and in the Old Testament as well. Obviously, it was a 
different covenant, but through faith, uh, God would appoint prophets. He would appoint uh, the, these men to speak through. He would use yeah. them to, to speak his message. Mm -hmm. So I find it amazing that John, this writer, has this papaya, this piece of paper, and that he's just writing down the words of God on this paper, wherever he's at, in such a normal setting. But that yet that's God's word, and yet it's being preserved through that manuscriptal history yeah. that we've talked about to the words that we have just read there, crazy. there now. Crazy. Pretty crazy, crazy. and pretty <laughs> cool. So yeah. um, conclusion is, I can't remember what the metaphor was. It was something like, uh, truth is too important to kill in the streets for the sake of peace. Oh. Yes, that's what it is. Because too often or not, it's like, oh, you believe this, you believe this. It doesn't matter. Let's just love each other. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But that is, you know what I mean? Truth yeah. is too important. That too Truth important. is a person, the person being Jesus. And again, we just talked about it, that in order to have love, you need truth. And truth is Jesus. And so to kill truth would be to kill Jesus. And it's not worth it for the sake of peace. It's not, work for, yeah. it's not worth it for the mm. easy friendship, the easy relationship, mm. the easy interaction. Mm -hmm. That is to say, we're to stand firm. We're to stand strong for God's word and everything that it stands for. We're called to uphold and speak truth in love. And that is the way that we love others by being obedient to God's word. And being obedient to God's word is to abide in Christ, to abide in the truth that is Jesus and to uphold these principles. Do you have anything else to 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 say to close to close us out in this podcast no i don't you've covered everything really well <laughs> uh, well done. hey no don't you've done really well as well thanks so much you've done really it. proud of myself for reading the verses out <laughs> uh, no it's more than that there's some i bet you they'll take your thoughts more than they have mine i hope so <laughs> i appreciate you the podcasters appreciate you and we'll see you on the next one